everybody. Welcome to another episode of It's the Kid Michael Show. I'm your host, Kid Michael, and I'm joined again by my good friend, George Pacheco. George. George, George, George. What's up? Good. Uh, not much. Nothing's up. Just chilling. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it's kind of been a busy week. I start uh, grad school on Wednesday. Uh, I had orientation. Uh, so that's been a little stressful. <laughs> How's orientation? Uh, it was okay. I met everyone else in my uh, major in my year uh, for screenwriting. Where there's only 13 of us, so we've all already started talking and stuff. I think that's gonna go pretty well. Um, it, it's just communication uh, makes me nervous uh, with the school. Um, I don't want to shit all over the school I'm joining on a podcast. Uh, it's great, but it's just a new time, and I think we're all nervous about. Like, starting grad school in quarantine is going to be so weird. Um, yeah. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, it has to be fun. Uh, fun. Better be fun, yeah. Uh, what's good with you? Uh, not much. I've just been uh, wasting time. Um, when does... my friends... Uh, when uh, does... It starts in September. Okay. So well, I'm still for the for the sake of entertaining podcasting, you should let me finish questions. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you knew what I was gonna ask, but <laughs> it's not a competition. Okay, All right, ne- next time. I'll, uh, yeah. Um, were you saying something? Uh, one of my friends is coming down today from uh, the city. Oh, that's cool. Do I know them? Uh, Cruz. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Should we use like synonyms for this? Like, well, it's too late now. Yeah. Right, it's fine. Um, but uh, you're coming back to the city then? No, no, I'm just going up to, with him to see other friends. Like, okay. so you're going further up? I'm going further south, actually, just oh. southwest to like. Um, um, where am I going? Oh, Philly. So is he kind of going out of his way to pick you up then? Yeah, he actually is. Oh, okay. Um. Oh, I just got my first teacher email. I'll look at that later. Uh, so let's start with uh, what we've seen this week and whatnot. Uh, we met, we talked a little bit about last week that we're going to start turning this into segments. Um, I am eventually going to reach out to the guy that did our theme song, Matthew Rosenthal. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe get some uh, little music blurbs that we can put in between segments. We won't hear them, so it won't sound like anything to us. Um, oh, okay. But I'm also going to try something new here. Um, actually, I don't have to announce this. Well, I, did, I do, actually. So I'm going to announce when we take a break for, for uh, you know, sponsors. Uh, that way it's a little more organic for me to put it in an editing. Uh, that's, okay. that's just for me and the editor's sake. Uh, anyway, things we've watched this week. Do you want to go first? I watched um, the entirety of the Netflix um, uh it's got terrible things, strange. Stranger things. Stranger things. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, a tale of unfortunate things. Series of unfortunate events. Series of unfortunate events. But did you not grow up with that? Uh, no, no, no. I did. I didn't read it. I just watched the Netflix uh-huh. show. What did you was, think? It's really good. It was really like um, Wes Anderson see. Like yeah, the that books kind of were too. Yeah, it was it was really fun. I had a lot of fun. Watching. Lemony Snicket hasn't really done anything since then that I can think of, unless he has. Is that, that a real person? Yeah, I know that. Oh, you so you think that author just does other stuff and doesn't call himself that anymore? 
Yeah. You would think that he would, he would like, because I imagine the the value of having that fake name on a book. uh, I don't know, unless he's not doing children's books at all anymore. I I wonder if it's a common knowledge who Lemony Snicket is. is. Probably. It was just a character in the book. (laughs) Lemony Snicket. What a stupid ass. Daniel Handler. (laughs) Is that the actor in the movie or? That's a real uh, author. Oh, okay. Let's look up Daniel Handler books. But yeah, keep talking about this show. Uh, it was really Wes Anderson e uh-huh. that could be like used as the like the word could be used that way. Mm-hmm. And I I loved every minute of it. I thought it was fantastic. So uh, it, it starts out slow. Mm-hmm. It gets uh, a lot better. He he dill he he does he does still um, go by Lemony Snicket. It looks like for some other books. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. So cool. I I should check it out because I loved those books growing up. I don't remember much about them. Uh, I didn't like them. You didn't <laughs> like just, them growing up. No. What What do you think it is? Do you think you were at the wrong age when you first got into it, or is it just know. not your? You know how some kids get like, uh, we had to read, but you had to read a book in mm-hmm. school. Um, some kids got into like some series. I uh, others got into others. Like there's kids who were into like um. The animal ones, you know, animorphs, animorphs, mm-hmm. and there were some kids that were used like really into the goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's up to the person, really. You know, I have. I, I just want to say I've I've never had any inclination of you having any kind of accent until you just said animorphs. <laughs> How did I say it? Animorph. I can't even do it. Uh, animorph. Yeah. Animorph. Um. Probably shouldn't have pointed that out in hindsight. <laughs> um, but so you so did you have to read it for school? No, I just didn't. You just didn't want to. No, I didn't want to, and I okay. didn't. But uh, feels like I missed out now because that it, it seems to be a really good series. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would hold up now if I read it, but like at the at that age, I was really into it. Yeah, it probably wouldn't hold up now. Though I still think it would be, at the very least, still good. Is that three seasons? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, well, I watched a little less this week in terms of, like, full stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I, but the I, I watched the first episode this week of um, Lovecraft Country. How is that? Uh, I have I have some things to say about it. I liked it. I really liked it, and I, I'm going to keep watching it. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's... Uh, God, let me find the author. Uh, not Lovecraft. I know that one's obvious. Uh because it's based on a book about Lovecraft's books, but it's a, it's another book. Kind of like Wicked is a book based on The Wizard of Oz. Uh, so Matt Ruff, I didn't even... I didn't, I'm surprised it was a white guy who wrote this. But uh, Matt Ruff wrote this book, Lovecraft Comp- uh, Country, and it is now an HBO show. It is about... Um, I want to say it was the 50s. Uh, 50s or 60s. Um this uh, african-american uh guy uh ex uh you don't say ex-veteran you say veteran this veteran um finds out his dad has gone missing and um as he goes looking for the dad uh you start to run into the mythology of uh lovecraft's monsters um i don't even know how to describe lovecraft is it eldritch is that how you would call lovecraft like yeah, I think that's a word he made, he made up himself, funnily enough. 
Uh-huh. Most people just say Lovecraftian, but I can't describe Lovecraft as Lovecraftian. Uh, but basically, like, tentacle stuff. Like, uh, cosmic horror. <laughs> yeah, cosmic horror is, like, ancient gods, uh, kind of alien-y, kind of gothic-y, like, uh, old-school universal monsters. Yeah, the implication being that there's something, uh, above us, uh-huh. and not in, like, a religious, like, way. And I think... <laughs> something... Uh-huh. A lot of it roots in the uh, the idea of insanity, like like the inability to comprehend a lot of the stuff, right? A lot of the stuff actually stems from an intense xenophobia by, by Lovecraft. Yeah, okay, so let's address that first. Um, Lovecraft was really racist, and the show does not pretend he was not, which is cool, because the show is basically yeah. a middle finger to Lovecraft. I mean, if Lovecraft was alive today and saw this uh, almost entirely African-American cast... Uh, in a show about his work, he'd be pretty pissed, which I love about it. <laughs> I think that's a really cool way to um, bring Lovecraft to a modern uh, audience with modern sensibilities and and such. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to, I have to say, uh, I don't want to spoil too much because I want you to watch the show. But uh, there was a scene that involved a police officer, like a white police officer. And, um, and his like, you know, underlings in the, in the police force. And they, they captured these three African-American characters in the woods, right? And there's no one there. And after this scene is when it becomes a Lovecraft thing where the monsters come out. But they got to the part with the monsters and it became less scary. (laughs) Was the thing I noticed because the cops are already horrifying. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. It could be like like a metaphor or something. I was almost like, I'm no longer on board for the Lovecraft show. I just want to see this. I mean, it's probably not ethical in, uh, when, when push comes to shove to make uh, horror entertainment based around uh, real things that African-American people go through. So I, I guess like asking for a show where the horror is that the cops stop black people in the woods is not. I mean, that's... Um... That's uh, Get Out in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Get Out, so I. You've uh, not seen Get Out. I haven't. I, I'm like the last person who hasn't seen it yet. I haven't seen Get Out or Us, and I know I'd like both of them. Uh, I I didn't like Us. Mm-hmm. I I liked Get Out. I think everybody I knew liked Get Out. Yeah, I I gotta watch it, but um, it was it's I, it's weird because it was a really good first episode, but. And I don't know if you can relate to this, like this has ever happened to you, but it's one of those first episodes that has a slow burn to get to what the show is actually about. And once you see where the show is going to go and what it's really about, you become less interested because the first three-fourths of the show where it wasn't about that were so interesting. Are you, are you seeing what I'm kind of... What I'm, are you, are yeah. you getting what I'm trying yeah, to say? Like you're, you it's like little... before, before it was about... Uh, monsters it was really entertaining and then I saw the next time on like Lovecraft Country and it's all like cult people and big monsters and all this stuff and I'm like okay that's less interesting than what I already saw it looks like I'm still gonna watch it but I, I'm I don't know do you do you ever get that with a show or do you just kind of know what I mean mm, I'm trying to think of it while you were saying this I, I'm trying to think of examples where I actually liked the first episode more than the there was a British show called Prime Primeval. 
Primeval. Uh-huh. I, don't know I, I remember. I remember. Yeah, that whole first season is gold and like amazing, and then the other seasons got really weird. Right, but it's not and... necessarily because it didn't introduce its main plot. Yeah, I would it's... say the season equivalent of what I'm talking about is uh, Westworld. Yeah, Westworld had a really strong first episode. And it also had a the whole first season was because when you go into the movie Westworld, if you've seen if you go into the show Westworld, I'm sorry, and you've seen the movie, you get the idea that the robots are going to kill everybody. Um, and the fact that you wait an entire season for it, you know what I mean? So that's like the equivalent of the first episode slow burn, but it takes a whole season. Yeah, the, that's the implication. Mm-hmm. And it happens. And by the time it happens, you're pretty disappointed with it. Well, you're you're pretty like ecstatic about it when it happens in the, like at the very end of the first season. But then once you see, I don't know. I didn't hate the second season, so it may, this doesn't really apply to me. I didn't finish it either, though. Um, I I did. I I always make it a point to finish things, um, like shows and stuff, not like important things. And <laughs> um, I I was still sorely disappointed. I, I was so fucking disappointed. I think I I saw a trailer for I think it was season three. That looks really bad because it's like they're abandoning the cowboy part and it's like well it was never about cowboys i know but it's such an integral part of uh like when you take it out of the park i get that that's the progression of the story but then uh you're left with something much with, with much less distinct um atmosphere yeah i actually i agree with you i think just putting it i think the show went up its own ass Mm-hmm. To make it, to put it politely, uh, the show really lost itself because of uh, the first season, and the first season was good, mm-hmm. but it was still flawed. It was it still had like like little itsy bit like bitty parts of like, eh writing, mm-hmm. and I think them just going like nope we're amazing, we can do no wrong. They had like uh, I don't know how to describe it. Some other shows have done this. Dexter. Some shows get too confident with uh, their like level of quality that they stop trying, and mm-hmm. the show goes to shit. You I know what? Dexter's something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I know everyone would have been like, we did, we we need a season two, but I could I could see myself more satisfied in the world where Westworld season one was just a miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, yeah. Somehow the implication of the robots taking over the park is more satisfying than going through the it. The actual. Robots taking over the park. Yeah, I don't need to see it. I just need to see that it's gonna happen, and that, like, I guess, like Ex Machina was kind of like that. Ex Machina was a, was a great, um, great Westworld light. Yeah, I think the questions that Westworld like begged mm-hmm. um, were better answered in Ex Machina than really like the uh, the show. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole show's ideas about free will about. Kind of like a Jurassic Park, but with robots, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that the uh, the show was so lackluster in so many regards. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still want to finish that second season just to, uh, just I, to get my get opinion yeah. on it. But um, the other thing I watched that wasn't like – that was the only full thing I watched was that episode – but then I've been watching a lot of clips online. Uh, we talked about early on in the podcast when you first joined. I mean, not early on in the podcast itself. We talked about um, <clears throat> uh, how we're both fans of uh, late night or more specifically quality late night because we're very picky. Yeah. Um, and I have been watching clips of the canceled Pete Holmes show. 
You ever I, heard? I, no, actually, I didn't. It used to be on after Conan. Conan gave him the show, and then it got canceled after a few episodes. It's kind of Holmes. Yeah, it's gold. It's good. It's quality late night, and I'm so upset that I discovered it after it was canceled. Um, I get why it was canceled because, uh, it. Uh, as much as I hate, as I, I hate to think it, um, late night on a mainstream level is less about being funny and having guests and interesting conversations as much as it is having uh, the cookie cutter celebrity that you need to have on the show on the show. And that's not what Pete Holmes did. He picked whoever the hell he wanted, people he was friends with, comedians that no one cared about. That's who he had on the show. And he didn't have questions that were, he, they weren't there really to plug anything. And he didn't ask questions that were like that the regular co uh, the regular host of a, of a talk show would. One of his go-to questions, like the last question he asks, like every guest was like, what happens when we die? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So he, it wasn't really a traditional talk show in that sense, but it's hysterical and it's really good. And he's hysterical. And I'm so upset it's canceled. I know Pete Holmes is is, is hilarious. Mm -hmm. He seems kind of cursed by the cancellation thing because he had a show too on HBO that just got canceled or was canceled before uh, crashing. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I never watched it. Me neither, but I'm gonna now. I feel like I contributed to his his woes. Yeah, you know. Uh, but he's such an upbeat guy. You know, he's still and he still does his podcast, which I started listening to, and it um, I found it very helpful. Uh, he. You don't have to laugh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm thinking about the line, like, um, like what happens when we die? Oh, yeah. That's so somber. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, the, like, because it's always, it's, it's never organic. And it's always like, oh, my, my, my producer's telling me we got one room for one more question. So uh, what happens when we die? <laughs> um, it's really great. Uh, his podcast really uh he talked in the episode i was watching he was with ron funches do you know that comedian no oh well they were talking about anxiety and it really spoke to me this idea that uh the key to defeating anxiety if, and i don't want to talk about it on the show but i i suffer clinically from anxiety i take medication for it and it's a big part of my life um he talked about fact checking anxiety and how it's the key to combating it I'm probably not phrasing that the right way, but the example he gave was that, and this was like a low stakes example because he didn't want to give too much away, I guess, but he was saying, <clears throat> um, he gets nervous when the DoorDash or whatever person starts coming towards his door. And he said when he thought about it, the reason was, is that um, uh, he is afraid of embarrassing himself in front of strangers. And the way he combated that was telling himself, you've never in your life been embarrassed in front of a stranger. Why are you so afraid of it? So I like that idea of, of having to fact check yourself and ground yourself in reality when it comes to anxiety. Um, I, one of the way my anxieties manifest, uh, and I went on and off thinking about whether I wanted to talk about this on the show, but I do. Uh, one of the ways my anxiety manifests is I get paranoid often about um, exclusion, specifically the idea that uh, my friends aren't real. And I don't mean that. Oh, I don't, okay. I don't mean that. Not in, like a schizophrenic way. Not in a schizophrenic way, in a way that's like, uh, 
they never want to hang out with me. Uh, given the choice, they will always exclude me. Um, and there is... That doesn't... Is someone taking a shower behind you? No. Oh. Uh, that... There's no real... Like, that's, that's uh, that obviously can't be true. Why would you have friends that do that to you? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, why would they suddenly waste their time every now and then to have you involved uh, with them? Uh, and it's a damaging anxiety, not just for me, but it, it, it can lead me to be hurtful to my friends. Uh, and I think you've experienced that in high school uh, when we had a falling out. Yeah, I remember that. Um, that none of that had to happen. I lost a friend in high school over that. That I think about that a lot now. Um, but yeah, because when you have that kind of anxiety, if you don't address it, it will always emerge when you don't when it's like like at all at once, and it will always make you insulting to the other person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I organically went into this segment, but... Yeah, you did. Yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. I just said I... I I, I don't... I don't think it's my... I'm not very anxious, I think. Mm -hmm. I think I'm... I'm, I I think I I used to be anxious, but Mm -hmm. it kind of went away with age. Yeah. Um... But... I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Like... I, I like that a lot of people, um, a lot of people's solutions to a lot of mental health issues usually st- like uh, ends up being like you're being silly. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of people want to say that to a lot of people who have uh, problems mm-hmm. with anxieties and like social social socializing and stuff. And it's um, usually there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Most problems we have are actually in I think in our own heads. Mm-hmm. Real problems are like. Uh, cancer and shit yeah. <laughs> like that's a problem and just like um, even if your friends did not want to talk to you that makes those people not very good friends mm-hmm. which means you're just in the market for new friends and the truth is too <clears throat> in my opinion it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah if you think yeah. that's true people are gonna stop wanting to hang out with you because you're like that um, if you're gonna be like a and I think that's happened to me you know I haven't uh uh, I, I've had a lot of these problems throughout my college and high school years with anxiety. I haven't had a girlfriend since high school. And a lot of that has been self-fulfilling that I, I've put myself in that corner. You know what I keep, whenever you say put in the corner, I keep thinking of like, uh, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in a corner? Nobody never seen Dirty Dancing. You've never seen No, Dirty I just Dan- know that line. I would have never watched it if it weren't on one time when I was in Mexico. I just, and uh-huh, sick. I was just bored out of my mind. I have to say, uh, because I know everyone probably thinks this if they listen to this show, uh, and I'm super insecure about this, is that um, this is, I, I'm. it's not lost on me that I present myself as someone who loves movies and then every movie someone brings up, I go, oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, you know what? You do do that a lot, you sneaky little fuck. Uh-huh. Do tr- do I don't, in my defense... I've seen a lot of movies. There's just a lot of movies. <laughs> you tend to watch movies that were popular at a certain time and not uh-huh. movies that everybody should watch. Yeah. 
I love movies, but I don't always follow the right the the, the mainstream checklist. I don't want to say mainstream; that sounds disgusting. I don't follow the standard checklist of go watch The Godfather, go watch The Breakfast Club. Um, be weird. You the same person was telling you, both, yeah. But there's no like more different movies in the world, I think, than yeah, the I Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> It's Club. like when you're done with The Godfather, you watch The Breakfast Club. You skip the other and two Godfather movies. Then you watch Godfather Two. Yeah, then you watch the Godfather Club Two. Is like a, uh, like. Lion King one and a half, you know, you need to watch that movie to understand Godfather 2. Uh-huh. Uh, you think it's ever been said before? <laughs> what? Breakfast Club and... No, that, uh, that The Godfather Part 2 is, like, Lion King one and a half. Oh, I meant, I meant Breakfast Club is Lion uh -huh. King one and a half. Oh, uh, so you're saying there's a cinematic universe that you can follow if you watch them in that order? I think there is a cinematic universe in, uh, those 80 movies. Mm-hmm. If you catch my drift, do you know what I mean? Like, there's these, like, um, 16 Candles and um, Breakfast Club were all by the same dude. Mm -hmm. I think he he, he kind of, like, shares characters, but not by the same name. Just kind of like, you know, ah, fuck, I don't know how to explain this. Like, these, these characters are all the same. Mm -hmm. They're all, like, the same fucking character. Um... He just kind of borrows them between movie and movie. Like Molly Ringwald is Molly Ringwald in every movie. Mm -hmm. I, I think they tried making her a little mean in uh, in in Breakfast Club. She just turned into Molly Ringwald. Who yeah, it's just a nice person, you know. Like I, I didn't believe she was like a mean cheerleader type for like a second. People tell me to watch Breakfast Club, and then like I see things about Breakfast Club, and I think to myself that it may be that I am too self-aware to be introduced to Breakfast Club now, or, or aware in general, to be introduced to Breakfast Club now and not think about uh, things that aren't right with it. You know what I mean? Like, you should watch Breakfast Club at an age where you're not going to be like, oh, what they did to that girl wasn't right. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's some things where you're like... If I watch it now, like, it's too late. I'm, I'm <laughs> they present moral problems. Yeah. And then they just don't solve them. Mm -hmm. Like they, the problem was that the nerdy kid was uh, unlikable, mm -hmm. and like people, like he, he, his, like uh, what he liked was wrong. Mm -hmm. And then they made him do their homework, like at the end of the movie. At the end of the movie, they write a letter to the principal saying, like, you're, you're trying to pigeonhole us into these like like these uh, cliches, and we're not cliches, we're people. Mm -hmm. So the guy who wrote that was a nerd, and everybody else was paired up together and started dating. Except the nerd. The nerd was alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just thought, like, I guess the message was too too forward because mm -hmm. they just fucking completely ditched that train of thought. Where, like, the nerd the nerd deserves love, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I had heard some, something about, like, uh, the, the way they treat one of the girls in that movie hasn't aged well, but I haven't seen it, so I can't really tell you what it is that I had heard. Um... But, like, yeah, that's the problem with going to movies that uh, should have been in a certain time of my life. Yeah, uh -huh. I think it was really important to watch that movie grow like as, growing up mm -hmm. in high school. Um, now it's just kind of like a corny little movie. Uh huh. It's kind of like I watched uh, Red Dawn. Uh, have you ever seen Red Dawn? I have actually watched Red Dawn. You have? Yeah. I should not have watched that, like, in Trump's America. <laughs> I should have seen that, like... At a time where I wasn't so focused on everything wrong with uh, gun nuts and uh, that kind of patriotism.
You know, I don't even care about people owning guns. I just, I, I like, like, I feel like the things about it, everybody can agree on. Mm -hmm. You know, like, well, I am not, I don't want to get into my opinion on guns, but, uh, I will say I am not convinced that people shouldn't have guns, but I am more convinced that some of the wrong people have them. Yeah. That's, I think that's everybody's, every, like, we shouldn't remove guns from people. Because mm -hmm. there are points in this country where it's actually dangerous not to own a gun. Mm -hmm. Like, there are feral hogs, bears, wolves, giant meese. Is it meese if it's plural? Mice? Oh, meese. moose. Like, mo Mooses. Moose-eye. Mama say, Mama say, Mama kusa. You can laugh. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I was more just impressed that you were able to, like, just, like, flawlessly say that uh, part of the Michael Jackson song. Um... It's poor of moose is moose. Okay, uh, there's moose in this country, right? It's not really those creatures, but feral hogs are like all over the United States, and they are really dangerous creatures. Um, and uh, probably want a gun mm -hmm. for those uh, bears. Or there's a lot of bear country here, mm -hmm. um, and you're gonna want a gun. You know, the moose is the last Native American megafauna. Not not Native American. Well, yes, Native uh, American, North but North American. American also. Is it a megafauna? Yeah. What defines megafauna? Actually, Is I have like no a... idea. I just heard that. I just heard that uh, someone saying that that it's the last megafauna, and we're just gonna go with the fact that I think it's true. Uh, megafauna definition. Uh, you would think it just means big ass animal, but like, then why isn't a grizzly bear a megafauna? Right. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. Megafauna. Uh, this is Wikipedia. In terrestrial zoology, the megafauna compromises of large or giant animals in an area habitat or geological period okay so i don't know uh i just know that maybe maybe it's herbivore megafauna i don't know to be fair mooses are way bigger than than uh meese than are way no bears? it is moose than bears yeah yeah and they're way bigger than you'd think in general yeah they're, they're huge they're freaking huge they're horrifying too mm -hmm. they, they will trample you they don't give a shit um Man, I I was just thinking about this the other day. I want to see a mammoth so bad. That pisses me off just uh, thinking about that. Yeah. Just thinking about like I'm never gonna look at a mammoth. Um, Actually, that's like the. If that animal specifically is what pisses you off that you'll never see, that's like the likeliest, like megafauna we'll ever see. Why? Like like with the they died they died out so recently mm -hmm. that there's still mummified mammoths all over the place right the, 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 my understanding from the research I've done because believe me I want to see a fucking mammoth so I've looked into it uh, I, I, what I hear is there are people who are like yeah of course we can make a mammoth and then there are people who are like we can get some of the genetic material of a mammoth but we're never going to find enough that we can just make a mammoth it's always going to be a hybrid or I mean, something that yeah. is edited uh, to look like what we think mammoths look like and that's not a mammoth. That's not what I want to look at. I want to see a mammoth. I don't want to see fucking the Jurassic Park frog DNA mammoth. It wouldn't be hilarious if they still used frog still, DNA yeah. for the mammoth. <laughs> the mammoths, like, start breeding. There's, there's a lot of controversy that in the genetics, like, uh -huh. bioengineering community. Like, um, did you ever heard of the chicken, like, chickensaurus or something like that? Uh, I think I've heard of it, and I've always assumed that it's half a lie. No, Jack Horner, the guy that uh, inspired um, the main Sam Neill in Jurassic Park, uh -huh. he, he's the one like uh, running the project. But a lot of scientists say that like even if you are able to 
do that, like the science is 100% with you and you do it, what then? It's not a dinosaur. And that's a really expensive like uh, project basically mm -hmm. because he's saying, oh, we can use it for educational purposes. I was like, D why isn't a lizard enough? You're just giving a chicken a tail. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's this idea that like, it, even if we are able to create these things, how do we know they're like, you know, real, right? Mm -hmm. those, those aren't real dinosaurs and that's not going to be a real mammoth. But to be fair, these are extinct animals. You're, there's no, you won't see them. Mm -hmm. they, they aren't real. So, uh, compromise? I had a really dumb thought that was like half a, mostly a joke that just didn't make sense. I think I tweeted it that like, in theory, if we could find a parrot old enough, we could hear a dinosaur. <laughs> like, I don't know. This is a thought I had once. Um, no, like a few weeks ago. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that god. I was like, if we found a parrot old enough, we could probably hear a dinosaur. Uh, you know, because uh, notoriously, uh, parrots and they, dinosaurs coexisted. Notoriously. Not the right word. <clears throat> they had a few. They no longer yeah. talk with each other. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about... I got a few things on this list, and it doesn't really need to go in any specific order. Uh... So I went on a tangent recently. I don't know how good podcasting this will be because it's more of a visual thing, but I'll talk about it. I uh, went on a tangent recently looking at personal aquariums. Uh -huh. um, because I like looking at like things rich people have that I never will. Like it, It's generally like arcades or home theaters, but this time it was personal aquariums. I want you to look up um, on your computer, George, while I talk about this. It's a place called uh, Aqu Aquiliana. It's spelled A-Q-U-A. No, no, I, 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 oh. I got it. So this is like a whole aquarium house, aquatic house, and I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it. Uh, it's like, it's made by a self-proclaimed, um, I think he calls himself like a real estate artist. Just what a pretentious thing to call yourself, but okay. Right. Um, it's apparently e quote-unquote eco-friendly as eco-friendly as a house that big can be but uh, it's the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life that's all I really have to say it's like uh, I just I want a home aquarium now uh, I'm really into a, like you know how I like collect house plants and such uh-huh um, I, I noticed that a lot of people who do that are also really into aquariums and vivariums and mm -hmm. stuff, and it, it just stems from, like, an interest in biology. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's doable. Like, you could have one in your room. You have a giant, like, tank for a turtle in there. But I know what you mean. Like, it's not enough. You need, like, a whole, yeah, like, aquarium aquarium. Can I, can I give you my aquarium hot take? Sure. Yeah, fuck freshwater fish. Shit's boring. Lame. Lame. Boring. Uh, Give, I don't me know why God sea, made give me sea stars. Give me fucking eels. Give me that good shit. Usually all I had was like those little boring ass like uh uh goldfish. goldfish I think they're not even goldfish. They're like lemur goldfish because they're thin and like anchovyish. Orange fish. Orange. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fuck those guys. Yeah. Was it a beta Warm fish? water. No. Actually, maybe. I think it was a beta fish. No, 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 it wasn't. It's like what you feed other fish, better fish. 
with. Uh. <laughs> that's all I could keep because uh, that's the only fish that my. Uh, you bought the food aquarium. as a pet, like you went to Petco to buy a cricket. It lives, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you could keep the cricket afterwards. Yeah. It's a little industry secret. You get to keep the crickets. And if you're super curious, you could probably try one. No one's stopping you. No one. In Mexico, if you live alone, no one crickets. will ever know. You know that, right? Uh, I, I mean. I, I didn't know that for sure, but I, it wouldn't have surprised. It doesn't it's surprise me. It's like a little me. snack. You dry them out with chili powder, and you, you had snack one? on them with tequila. Yeah. What does it taste like? Please don't say it. chicken. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I thought about that too late. That would have been good. Uh, yeah. I think a lot... You know what? I'm realizing about myself, because I keep looking at all this rich people stuff, like aquariums and home theaters... Uh, I care a lot about my values and the working class and all that shit, but I'd probably sell out. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with selling out, by the way. There's nothing inherently wrong with going, like, I have an opportunity, uh-huh. and I'm going to leave. It's not, you're not betraying, like, Marx himself or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more just, like, everybody should be able to live to the standard that selling out is. You know what I mean? I guess. Does that make sense? Like everybody, like if you if you want an aquarium, you should be able to own an aquarium because you would take care of it. Mm-hmm. Compared to somebody rich who just buys an aquarium just to like flex on other rich people, mm-hmm. it's not as cool to them. They don't really care. It's just something that they have because they're rich, mm-hmm. and they can't have it. Yeah, it freaks so, me out. Is like rich people parties, just the idea. I, I've of been. That. I went to a rich people. Um, I'm not gonna tell you how, so that like. This can't be like followed back to me, mm-hmm. but I went to a rich people party, like a wedding engagement, <laughs> and it, it was the most get out thing in the world. That sounds horrifying. It, I got real bad vibes the whole time, the whole time I got really bad vibes, and I I got that feeling. And the only ever time I got that feeling was watching Get Out, where I was like, okay, I really, I think most minorities can like understand that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's not any old like white person that like kind of like is a little freaky it's wealthy mm-hmm. wealthy white people really kind of scare you yeah um i have something that kind of plays into that but real quick we're going to take a break talk about our sponsors uh and then we'll be back with more us there's no guests and we're back um <clears throat> before the break we were talking about um rich people scaring us and that kind of uh translates nicely into my next topic um which is something I stumbled upon. Let me. I should probably have found an article for this too. Uh, it was not responsible of me. You ever heard of uh, a conspiracy theory, or have you just ever heard the phrase predictive programming? Yes, I have. So you know what this is. Yeah. I just found a. So I was on. I want to say Twitter, and Amazon Prime posted a uh, ad for a show called Utopia, which happened to involve a deadly virus. And every comment was predictive programming. Like, every comment. And I was like, does that just mean, like, what sci-fi is? Just, like, predicting the future? And I looked it up, and it's not that. It's the idea that... You probably already know this. Let me find an exact definition. Predictive programming definition. It's like a whole conspiracy. Um, Theory. Not real. I'm not telling you that this is a real thing. Uh, according to Wikipedia, predictive coding, also known as predictive processing, is a theory of... Okay, so this isn't exactly what I'm looking for. It's a brain function or something. No, this is not it. Predictive programming. 
uh, is the theory. This is um, osu.edu. Predictive programming is the theory that the government or higher-ups are using fictional movies or books as a mass mind control tool to make the population more accepting of planned future events. <laughs> um, the examples they turn to are like The Simpsons. That's like the, the go-to one. I, yeah, there's a few. There's a lot of examples. A lot of them have to do with 9-11, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. And uh, before I even comment about how fucking weird and bizarre this is, I have to comment specifically on the idea that this that we were looking at was predictive programming. Um, kind of late, <laughs> right? If we're already in the virus, did this come out <laughs> after? By the way, this is coming out. I don't think it's out yet. Okay, yeah, that's, not, that's, that's, that's not just, predictive programming. That's yeah. just like accidentally topical, badly timed. Uh, after the virus, have you noticed how like um, casually and like softly people suggest the pandemics and stuff in media uh-huh and then you're like like when you were watching it that's kind of like a, uh, oh okay but now living in a well halfway through a pandemic really mm-hmm. um hopefully yeah, this, 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 yeah hopefully halfway we could we could be we like actually a, be a lot worse yeah yeah <clears throat> uh isn't that some bullshit what do you mean like it's so fucking um casual in a lot of media yeah and it didn't i did they're like they're reaper I, I was really interested in pandemics my whole life mm-hmm. and i never ever even thought that restaurants would have to close and those bins- businesses would just, like go extinct you know what's funny what um when uh when you look at movies that have like scenes where the government comes in in hazmat suits and shuts down a town um, <clears throat> like there's a there's a pandemic or something, and like they take over, and there's a curfew, and everyone's like kind of horrified, and that used to be like something that freaks people out. Yeah, that's like the most comforting thought I have these days. Yeah, it's like God, I wish we were this organized about it. Yeah, you see the government be all scary and shit, like yeah, God, be out, scary, like, please. Like I want that right security. now. Security. Yeah, they're shipping a homeland security on like Humvees with miniguns, and like they're they're giving out food from the back of a truck and masks. They're doing none of that. I I turned out worse. I've never so desperately wanted uh, the. I've never so desperately wanted the help of the bad guys from ET. <laughs> oh, you know, the scary government. Man. Yeah, I'm like, oh, where are you guys? Come on. Like, it's so funny that for some reason that's, that that was that, back before we were in a big pandemic like this. That's what was scary about it. Was the organized part. <laughs> And we got none of that. Yeah. We, we didn't get no organization whatsoever. It's we so just weird. We got abandoned completely. Um, but to veer back on topic, uh, predictive programming uh, I uh, has the same flaw of any of these mass conspiracies that people have. It's just that uh, you how many people can agree to like do this? You know what I mean? Hollywood's a big industry. There's going to be one person that's like, I don't want to do that. And then they're yeah. going to go on TV and be like, have you heard they want to fucking do that? I don't want to do that. No one. Like, I don't know. Maybe. What, what, what do you think? Most fall, most conspiracy theories fall apart when you really like uh, think about mm-hmm. people. Like, do, do you think people want to do that? Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And, like, I, one person, it takes one person to just be like, you know, they're doing that weird shit, like, in there, right? Mm-hmm. And boom, the whole thing's flown. 
but the fact is there's nobody doing that there's nobody with like uh, whistle blowing mm-hmm and it's it's amazing to me this idea um a lot of these conspiracy theories whether they started before or after the trump administration have adopted uh the idea that trump is the guy who's fighting it right but trump's the guy in charge yeah i don't, I don't like <laughs> i it, the something really fascinating to me about trump is that mm-hmm. a lot of people think of him as um their guy mhm and why would a Manhattan like property, like real estate mogul, be on your side? Mm-hmm. Like, why him specifically? Like, doesn't that seem extra ridiculous compared to like the already kind of like dodgy shit? Like, yes, the, this uh, land owning in Manhattan individual, the city dweller, is going to be on your side. Uh, well, because I, I think it has a lot to do with. Um... The idea that he was a social outsider, you know what I mean? Like, not literally in the sense that he could go to whatever fucking party he wanted, but when he announced his candidacy, and even before when he was doing the birther thing, all of a sudden the, the media was like, "This we hate this guy, right? Yeah. Which is valid, but um, I think people see that and they're like, I feel hated too. Uh, even if this guy is hated oh, for the agree. right reasons, uh, just the fact that we're both looked at the same way means he's on my side. And it's not you know true. What? That's a really, that's a really good, um, that's a really good example of that. Yeah. Um. But it's just so funny to me this idea that the government is still doing this fucking QAnon shit, but like. Oh, that that's that's. I don't even want stupid. to talk yeah. about that too much. But the idea that the government's still doing this horrible shit, and everyone except Trump is doing it, and no one's telling him. Like, what do you think Trump's job is? <laughs> I, I like it because it implies he's, he's dumb as rocks for not being aware of this, like, mastermind conspiracy. If there is a government that can do something this crazy mastermind with, with getting around Trump completely, why do any of Trump's decisions happen that are, like, negatively affecting us? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if he's really, like, the big boy special genius that like uh the world is out to get uh-huh why hasn't the world gotten them yet yeah do you really think he's playing like 5d chess behind the scenes oh. i think anybody that's like seen him can be like yeah that dude's not playing 5d chess uh-huh but i don't think he knows how to play chess what really scared me about reading that thing on twitter um was the fact that every person who commented said that it really it's like there's too many people like this this is too mainstream. This thinking. Well, I don't know where, where to relate. Like, you could conclude in a lot of places. You could say that maybe people are too dumb mm-hmm. to uh, to be trusted with important matters. Um, you could say that uh, maybe <laughs> those people are just specifically too dumb to be mm-hmm. trusted with anything. But... I think it just boils down to not being heard by your government. Mm-hmm. I think it's this type of shit is the Democrats' fault as much as anybody else, mm-hmm. because just sneering at people constantly is not going to get them to vote for you. Um, not listening to your, this is when usually fascism are, are like arises in a lot of uh, countries when somebody does not feel heard. Mm-hmm. 
they'll they'll go to anybody that listens to them. So mm-hmm. that, I, that's where I think we are right now with with that whole situation with um, QAnon and stuff. Mm-hmm. People, there's another like a uh, a whole different thing about like um, fucking conspiracy theories that people make up conspiracy theories the, uh, theories because they want to have some ability of control to the world around them. They mm-hmm. realize the world is crazy and, and chaotic. Mm-hmm. And their idea of like, um, like the, the way that they cope with this is by just thinking, okay, um, the world's crazy, but I know what's really going on. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, it gives it a level of control, that, which is just not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's scary. I, I almost think... I I I know myself. I I I cannot take four more years of Trump, and that is a big thing for me. But at the same time, a lot of our focus should be on making sure people don't buy into this shit. Yeah, fascism is really alluring, and uh, we apparently failed as a society from stopping it. Yeah, right? we didn't do enough. We um, we didn't like. It happened in Rome too. It, it's happened in almost every democracy. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest examples, like the Weimar Republic, having completely failed their citizens, having completely been like inefficient towards um, like nipping fascism in the bud, mm-hmm. that they became uh, a fascist demagogue. It wasn't even that they won elections. Um, the last elections held in Germany, Nazis actually lost seats. Mm-hmm. That's something that's not very well known. They think a lot of people think that they sweeped the elections, and um, they got in power and they never gave it up. They actually lost seats. Okay. Like nobody wanted Nazis in power. They weren't very popular. It's at the second that um like liberals wanted to compromise, they just like let the Nazis walk all over them. So I, I think it's a fact that we just kinda like got too cocky. We got too confident that mm-hmm. um uh we were the best party. I don't even like Democrats too much. They're just the closest to my beliefs. Yeah. Are you a registered Democrat? You kept me asking you that. I'm registered Democrat. Yeah. yeah. So am I, but it's so I could be in primaries and such. Mm-hmm. That's really the only reason at this point. That's the only reason. Um. All right, let's let's move on from this. Uh, what else do I got to talk about? Uh, I have. Do you care about the DC Comics layoffs? Is... I mean, I'll talk about it. Sure. I, I didn't know that was going on. Okay, so uh, I will be quoting Variety.com's article entitled "DC Universe: DC Comics Staff Layoffs See Layoffs Amid Amid Warner Media Restructure." Um, I'm not going to read this word for word, but the basic gist of it is that Warner Media, uh, which I think is owned by AT and T, whoever is at the top. Uh, I, you know, obviously, uh, the pandemic means a lot of people ha- uh, are getting fired from a lot of these big companies. Um, and uh, Warner Media and AT&T's kind of decision or, or point of view has been that um, print comics are not really a necessary part of their brand. So as a result, the, like a big majority of the executives at DC Comics have been fired. And uh, it's a pretty big deal for comics. It's a lot of people losing their jobs. Um, it it significantly downsizes the company. And a lot of people would argue that um, 
least Marvel has been making this argument because it, it seems like comic book companies these day and ages um, are just m- most of their job is to justify why they still exist. Uh, and the way Marvel's been doing that has been saying, uh, you get these million dollar movies, uh, they start somewhere and they start in our pages. Um, and which if- is, I think, is the saddest uh, justification. Why? Because um, you're you're basically saying you're just a stepping stone to to become a movie franchise. Uh, yeah, uh, but they do have a point that um, a lot of the next big characters in movies will be characters that are cre- being created now by Marvel and DC. Um, and that to nip them in the butt is kind of like you're cutting off the cash cow. Uh, I don't know. Is that they're justifying themselves to the public, or it's just like reverse trickled? It's like re- it's like trickle up, uh, cinema. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I we're probably gonna bring this up again when we have uh one of our guests coming on who worked in comic books. Uh, but. Uh, let me see if I can find any specific quotes. The, okay, the, the DC Universe thing, which is, if you didn't know, their streaming service. I saw the writing on the wall. I knew that thing was going down. I think anyone uh, who knows anything was like, you can't create a Netflix that's just DC shows. I, I wasn't even aware they did that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of their shows are now going to HBO Max, because why wouldn't they? That's the Warner Brothers uh, streaming service. Why would you have it? They... The way they kind of sold this is that they combined it as a streaming service for TV, but also for comics. Because, you know, um, like Marvel has Marvel Unlimited, which is like a phone app where you read comics digitally. So their banking was you'll buy it for the comics, stay for the shows. I don't think it's working. And I think this reflects that. Did nobody stay for neither? I mean, people, you remember that that, uh, Titans show where Robin's like, fuck Batman. Do you remember that? Yeah. That was DC Universe. Well. Yeah. I I think Marvel has really fucked up to tell uh, movie franchises for a long time. What do you mean? The, everybody wants to be Marvel now. Yeah. Marvel has like a single fluke. Mm-hmm. And now we can't enjoy movies without being introduced to another fucking cinematic universe. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even think Marvel was that good. It just makes a ton of money. Marvel, I I would argue Marvel didn't even introduce this concept. It's just the one that, po- that like shoved it in our face first. Yeah, so that it, made they it like, a let's point. make a cinematic universe. I they... I would argue that the the classic Universal monster films are have such like glaring parallels to Marvel movies now. But do, do they become like a hero troop as well? No, it's not that. It's that um. I they're separate movies about them working together. There, it was a trend of movies that were separate stories that were basically the same story every time. It's a tragic monster. It's like kind of like how Ant Man is Doctor Strange is Iron Man. It's the same guy over and over again, and then eventually they fight and they meet in movies. Whether it's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, House of Frankenstein, The Wolfman versus Frankenstein, they had crossovers. The only the the only difference is that when Marvel connects its properties, it makes a point of going, you ever think about how this is all the same connected thing? Whereas something like Universal would be like, yeah, Wolfman met Frankenstein. Don't worry about it. Yeah. 
they, but but they did it. They did it for the same reason, for like slightly different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel did it to connect universes, mm-hmm. and um, the others, like uh, those studios, did it because uh, these ones like. They just want to squeeze the money. No, okay, so Marvel did it to make the, uh, the Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. And um, the monster movies did it because it just... They what? had these like licenses, and mm-hmm. they wanted to make money off them. Uh, that's really all I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, though they did do it first. They kind of stumbled upon like uh, uh, something great. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they were doing it on purpose. I don't think any like actually well-executed Marvel... I mean, cinematic universe was done on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think they were all just happy little accidents. Like for all we know, we we could have like I think been you, looking. Huh? I think if you plan that far ahead for a cinematic universe, you're sacrificing uh, brain time that could have been going towards making a good individual film. Yeah, and they they that's something the more cinematic Marvel universe um, did really well. They were just focused on making good movies at first, and then mm-hmm. they were like, let's start connecting these. And then I think later. In the like the later part of mm-hmm. the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. it just became we have to connect this to the main lore. And I think the key, in my opinion, to making Marvel survive past Avengers Endgame is to stop caring again. Yeah, just make good movies and mm-hmm. then make them like. And then uh, just don't think about when the next Endgame is. It could happen, it, but don't think yeah. about it. And you know who's accidentally doing that? DC. Yeah. They they just made. A few really great movies. That Did you I hear love. Ben Affleck's coming back? Yeah, but I don't really care. Oh, well, I mean, I, I kind of do. Um, uh, for the hypocritical reason that I just I like continuity. <laughs> but um, I know I'm such a hypocrite. We're talking about like these things are ruining film, and then I'm like, oh, but Batman's coming back. Um, lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, DC I think is kicking ass because. It's uh, only marginally thinking about how his movies connect. Yeah. Like, uh, what was that uh, Harley Quinn movie that came out? Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That's yeah, the that was a great title. movie. You saw it? That was a great movie. Yeah, I loved it. I saw it in the theater. I loved it. I didn't see it. I think the, I ti- I think so the title much. really fucked it. I think they should have just called the Birds of Prey mm-hmm. or the Harley, Harley Quinn movie. But yeah, it should have been called Harley Quinn because it things. wasn't a Birds of Prey movie. It was a Harley Quinn movie. But what do you yeah. think? We, we can't have – the reason that Hollywood never does fun stuff is because people are too dumb mm-hmm. to, like, experiment with things. They're like, oh, this isn't something I already know, so it has to be, it has to be bad. Yeah, I don't think – I don't think uh, we have the emotional intelligence as an audience to be yeah. like, you know what? Uh, we don't want a third Ghostbusters. We don't want – uh, 20th Terminator. They'll stop... Hollywood would make good movies if we paid to watch good movies. Mm-hmm. People talk about, oh man, I miss this franchise, I miss that franchise. I miss endings. Yeah. I miss things movies having... don't end. end anymore. Yeah. And there's an idea that the movies that have ended, that, that'll come back at some point. Yeah, like, oh, there's gonna be a sequel. And sometimes there isn't. Most of the time, like, they're, they're failed, these failed cinematic universe startups mm-hmm. just leave, like, empty... Uh, Empty stories that never got an ending. But depending on the longevity of this craze, they'll try again. Like Terminator yeah. had like two failed attempts, and they kept trying. 
And that comes with that other thing that is like a byproduct of this experiment of like reboots and cinematic universes where like, um, and I hate this trend, but I also get it, is that this this new trend where movies are like, where the sequel to this movie, but not its sequels. Right. Yeah, like Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. Halloween just ignored Season of the Witch and Halloween 3. Two. Halloween 2. It wasn't Halloween 2 Season of the Witch? No, Halloween 3 is Season of the Witch. It ignored every Halloween except Halloween 1. Because Halloween 2, I I haven't seen these movies, but Halloween 2, I know, is the one where they they say that they're brother and sister, uh, Mike Myers and J.B. Lee Curtis. It's probably a horrible example because I actually liked that they did that a little bit. Season of the Witch was kind of dog shit. But, um... It's a slap in the face in a lot of ways. Because you'll always have that one... Uh, even if it's a generally... Even if you have like a movie that's generally disliked, like a sequel that's generally disliked, there's going to be that group of audience members, no matter how small it goes, but I still bought the ticket, and now you've just slapped me in the face saying, yeah, we didn't like how that did, so it doesn't count. Yeah. I I think they should stop trying to like reform IPs and just make new shit. Mm-hmm. That's but they'll stop making they'll start making new shit when we stop paying to watch old shit. Mm-hmm. We're and not we'll never stop. <laughs> yeah, like do you think that these people like like uh, artists in a studio just doing whatever? These are just people like looking at charts, going like Marvel's doing really well. Let's just do what Marvel's doing. You know, what I think is our best chance. Um, at getting at, at ending this cycle is not so much because obviously we're not going to do it as an audience. We're not going to be like uh, we're not going to take a stand and be like we're done with sequels and reboots. But um, I think it has to. I think we have to time an original movie with a franchise movie that's going to kick the franchise movie's ass. I think it's all about timing at this point. I understand what you mean, I think. Where, like, um, Where it, it just so like happens to be... The next Avatar has to come out the next, with the same time the next... Not, not. I don't mean literally Avatar 2. I mean, oh, like the okay. next... Uh, like, the next big blockbuster that doesn't exist yet has to come out at the same time as Star Wars and beat the ever-living shit out of it. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other way we could... um we can be able to get out of this uh, hole we're in. And it, it hasn't always been true, you know? Like, this is admittedly low-stakes hole. I just want to be yeah. self-aware about that. But what were you saying? Like, we, we we used to make a lot of original movies. Uh-huh. Now we, we, we I think, it's not that we lost our imagination. It's just money. Mm-hmm. You know, George Lucas said he has more freedom in the Soviet Union to make movies than here. Because at least in the Soviet Union, the movies don't have to make money. He can make whatever he wants. You mean Russia? Because there's no Soviet Union. I mean, it, when he said that, oh, there, there was. was. Okay. Union. Yeah. I, you know what? I can believe it. Um, yeah, I just think it has to do with uh, the the power structure of the uh, stu- the studio system in Hollywood, as opposed to like. Yeah. Uh, I think the real solution is just to follow I, small studios. I was listening to at the uh, a video of Christopher Nolan talking to George Lucas, and George Lucas said that there was a point in the 70s, and I feel like you can feel this when you watch 70s and 80s movies, that there was a point in the 70s where 
um, certain studios were um, their monarchs, so to speak, were retiring. These people who were part of the families that owned these companies forever. And there was a window where new people were coming in who were not businessmen. And they were greenlighting movies they thought were good. And that's when we got Star Wars. Um, yeah, because I was, was say, when like, someone oh, at Fox was not was in a, was the head of Fox, but was not a suit. Because the uh, the old stu- studio XX were douchebags. Uh huh. Like those like uh, silent films guys. Uh huh. Just black and white guys in general. Mm-hmm. Um, were such assholes. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know that. I actually never thought about that. Yeah, there was just there was a window. I should send you the video that he was saying there was just this one window in his career where there was a guy who didn't know what he was doing, and that meant that good movies could come out. <laughs> um, but we've been talking about this for a while. Uh, let's let's go into our article segment. Uh, George, I understand right. you have something. You don't have an article. You have a tweet. This is this is There's our. There's no article attached to the tweet. Yeah. This is like a our our new segment where we find something weird on the internet, like a headline of an article, usually I guess in this case a tweet, and we uh, one of us surprises the other with it. So what do you got for me, George? All right. So there's a new trend in cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. Where uh, you crash your plane into someone's house in Microsoft Flight Simulator, and you send them the picture of of you crashing into their house. Okay. So if you don't know what Microsoft uh, Flight Simulator is, it's basically Google Maps, but you get to fly a plane around. And you go, you find the, the bullied kid's house, and you crash your plane into it and send him a picture <laughs> saying, this is what I would do to you if I could. What? I, wait, so That's does my plan. house exist in this game? Yes, because it, they just use Google Maps. Oh, that's amazing. So I, I can fly a plane. I wouldn't... <laughs> do this because you live in new york city uh, and that's fucked up yeah but you can get, pick up a plane find where i live and then crash the plane into my my building and send me a picture people actually get offended by that wouldn't you be like a little i would think it was the funniest thing honestly i don't like that the idea of a threat but they don't have a plane it's it's supposed to be like a subtle, it's like, like sending a... someone a gif of the death star you know what i mean it's like it's nothing's gonna happen yeah (laughs) that is that's how did you find this i uh one of my friends sent me the article and i just thought it was perfect i can't find this anywhere (laughs) um so how did this come up is it like a real problem or something are they trying to combat it or is it like well because bullying has to be more creative now because we don't we don't go to school anymore Mm -hmm. so you, you have to like also, I don't know who doesn't like who just like lets their bully send them text messages like that. Uh huh. Well, but it happens. Yeah, so I can't find like, this. I look up Microsoft Flight Simulator crashing. And it just tells me how to fix like the program crashing. I don't. Is there a, like a snazzy name for it? Like, uh, hijacking. <laughs> I just put in hot trend, hot new trend in cyberbullying, and I got that. Hot. Uh, New trend. That's amazing. Uh, I like low stakes cyberbullying because, like, I is anyone really like the 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 best way you could do this kind of thing is to not actually offend anyone. It's to send them something that's completely stupid. Uh, 
I mean, unless this is actually offending people, which I would be very surprised if it was. Not new trend in cyberbullying. Cyberbullies hate him. Uh, no, I can't. I still can't find it, but that's hysterical. Who tweeted it? Uh, Kyle Earth. Just found it. Uh, it looks real, Jesus. Yeah, that's a plane going. It looks real. It looks very I, real. I think you thought it was a cartoon game. You actually. I. You know what I was picturing? Plane. I was picturing like a flat photograph of the ground, and then just a a CGI plane that's like clearly like not very good looking, just going down and touching the picture. But that's. Very realistic looking. Uh, yeah. Going into a very. I still wouldn't house. be offended by it. I would just be like, really think it's hysterical. Uh, if someone does that to me, it would look really disrespectful because I live in a tall building in Manhattan. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Uh, I'm just reading the comments right now. Uh, yeah, this is really funny. <laughs> Thank you for showing me this. Uh, what 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 was your thoughts about it? You think it's. You think it's like uh, an actual problem, or no? I just think it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's hysterical. I think it was a problem. Uh, I'm glad we found a good note to end this episode on, which was um, this. I kind of want to get the game now. It's free. Uh, yeah, but I have a Mac. Right. Well, I think your computer can run it. It's. I don't know. I feel like Microsoft would intentionally not want this run on a Mac, but who knows? Um, anyway, I think we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching this has been It's the Kid Michael Show I'm your host Kid Michael my co-host has been George Pacheco uh, you can oh um, if you want to send your own um, things like help me out here George if you want to send your own uh, article suggestions um, contact me at either um, at Kid Michael Art on Instagram or at It's Kid Michael on Twitter, uh, and I will look at your suggestions. And um, if you don't do that, then I guess like George is gonna keep looking them up for me. But uh, send them in. Anyway, thank you for watching. This has been It's the Kid Michael Show. I'm your host, Kid Michael. My co-host has been George Pacheco. Uh, you can follow the show at at Kid Michael Art on Instagram or at It's Kid Michael on Twitter. Um, our theme song was written and performed by Matthew Rosenthal, and our editor is Aristides Panagas. Thanks, everyone.